Okay, so... Ready? Okay. OTP, that's our show. (laughs) (laughs) I was waiting for something good to put up front. Uh, That's not even complete. At least let me do the whole cheer. Right. It is uh, it is an uncharacteristically wet morning here in Southern California, but uh, nevertheless, this is episode 34 of On Taking Pictures, a weekly podcast where we talk about the art and science of making images. My name is Jeffrey Sidoris from FadedAndBlurred.com, and with me, I'm assuming it's raining where you are as well, Bill. It's gloomy and gray for the past okay. four days, yes. Gloomy and gray, yet fancy, Bill Wadman. <laughs> Hi, Jeffrey. Hey, hey, how are you? Uh, I'm delightful. Um, are, <laughs> are you delightful? Hey, I got one of those little LED panel things. Yeah. You know, the $29 on Amazon? Sure. On How the, do you like it? On the Amazon.com? On the Amazon? Um, uh, it's it's neat. I haven't used it for anything real yet. Uh, and I'm sure it, it doesn't put out enough light to make a huge difference uh, to the world. But I think if you were inside, indoors, and, and needed some extra light and were fairly close... Uh, it would just be just as a little source. fill or something. As a fill, or you could use it as your main light as long as you were, uh, you know, it was dark enough. You know, it wasn't trying to compete with other stuff. I noticed you know, that the, that what's his name uh, McCurry used him in some of those Pirelli pictures that we were looking at a couple weeks ago. Right, right. Um, actually, I had a couple questions for you about that, if you don't mind. Sure. Question from the audience: uh, LED seems to be kind of catching on as accent lights and maybe even as as the panels get larger a lot of people are using them for video and fill and that kind of thing yes what do you think is a is a a usable size to use them as a main light have you have i guess you have to play with the one you've got first right i do i tried you know i tried shooting the one i have through a little diffuser and the diff- mm-hmm. it's it's not quite bright enough to diffuse and then still have enough power on the other end. Okay. Unless you were using, I guess, if you were you know shooting it ISO eight hundred wide open on your lens and doing some kind of like real close portrait work, you could do it, right? Uh, like handheld. Um, but you you need a bigger light than I have. the The problem is you get to this point where you are you move from battery to plug in right. to AC, and I think that. The AC ones are still pretty expensive from what I've seen. They're still hundreds and hundreds of dollars. Right. So at that point, you might as well use strobes or some other kind of light, you know. Yeah, um, I've noticed um, Yongnuo has one that's like 300 okay. LEDs. And battery-powered? Uh, battery-powered. Okay. Uh, Photodiox has Three, a 300 and a 500. Okay, but the, uh, yeah, I mean, I think mine is 160. So mm-hmm. you could theoretically buy three of mine and just stick them next to each other. You right. know, and that would cost you a hundred bucks. <laughs> You'd have almost five hundred. You, know, you could always try that. Yeah, strap a few of them together. It's interesting because they don't they don't take up much space, but it doesn't seem like they've got very much throw either. Uh, you know, they don't. It's not that they don't have a lot of throw. They have the throw of I, I don't know what would be the equivalent of a sixty or seventy five watt light bulb, maybe. Mm-hmm. This little thing, but it puts off no heat and it's battery powered and it can go in my bag. I haven't tried it on a real shoot yet. In fact, I might do tonight, um, shooting a girl skiing tonight on a okay. staircase. So we're going to see if that works. Um, Would something like this have helped on your shoot a couple weeks ago with Claude? 
In fact, we had a couple of them on my shoot with Claude, the video shoot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the problem was is Claude owns a couple, which is why I ended up buying one. Um, the problem was is that for what we were trying to do on that, we wanted it to look like it was inside, and we were moving the cameras around a lot and that kind of stuff. And we were also working with the ambient lighting that was already there. If we could have, if they were powerful enough and we tried to bounce them off the ceiling to give us just like a stop of, of background illumination, you know, mm-hmm. bring up the background a little bit, but it, they just weren't bright enough for that. They okay. didn't do anything bouncing off the ceiling. It just wasn't enough. Um, I, I think that they're better sort of direct, not bounced off of stuff. They don't quite have that much juice. But one of them, and I, I don't remember which one it was. I, I think maybe it was the photodiox, or they make one that's got uh, half the LEDs are basically tungsten balanced, and the other half are daylight balanced, and you can you can kind of blend the two or go all tungsten or all daylight. Yeah, I think the ones I got are daylight, but then you can you can they give you the little filters to put in. Mm-hmm. Um, but but again you know it's there it's fine it's not it's not the most beautiful light on earth at least from the from the little tiny one but for 29 dollars, i mean you know yeah. like get one and try it and if you don't like it it's 30 bucks you know right right um handy to to have i mean it's it's cool and i'm gonna try it out it's not it's not really good for these december things that i'm doing now which are a little bit more involved lighting wise tr- typically um, and then I need to stop down and I need more depth of field and all that kind of thing. But, um, I can imagine for, for a portrait photographer when I, maybe in January, I'll try some sort of short depth of field environmental portraits and I'll, and I'll use this as my only light or something. I don't know. It's nice to, that they're dimmable too, right? So you can, you can pull it from full power all the way back to very, very little. So right. it, it, they're handy. It's, it's neat. Just neat technology. Do you, do you like, or did, did you ever like the idea of using constant lights instead of speed lights or strobes? Um, the reason I don't typically is good, good continuous lighting is expensive or heavy or hot. Or both. <laughs> yeah. And hot. All, of the, all of the above. Yeah. Uh, and those, the, and, and the, the additional advantage of you can get so much more power out of strobes if you need them. And the light that comes out of strobes is so nice and pure. It's it's such a nice, very daylight balanced, full spectrum. You know the kinds of things that are really hard to get from continuous lighting, which mm-hmm. tends to be tungsten. So even when you 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 uh, do correct white balance, it doesn't quite look the same to me. So the the people that are using like the, the HMIs and and these these big heavy lights yeah. are are they using them because that's and it's a generalization, but do you think sure. they're using them because that's kind of how they started using them? I mean, are new photographers going to constant light or uh, why would you go I to constant pe- light? I think if people go to continuous light, it'll be LEDs going forward. Mm-hmm. I think that's going to be the big thing. I have used Kina flows when I've been in situations where they happen to be there. Mm-hmm. But when I've gotten home, I've actually been somewhat disheartened by the results. I didn't like the color. When it, when okay. I, when I finally came out and the, I was using tungsten Kinos, tungsten, uh, uh, white balanced Kinos and they, they were, they were not, I didn't like the results, but some people love them. You know, I mean, look, Karsh used, uh, co- continuous lighting, but he mm-hmm. was using essentially movie lights, you know, even like a, with the scoop and the whole thing. Um, but that's a very big setup to truck around. Right. You know, I don't have a car to drive 
15 lights that weigh 250 pounds with me. Right. Um, I, and, and modern speed lights are insanely powerful for, for the size. Oh, yeah. And, and nowadays you could just, oh, you don't have enough power? All right. Well, kick up from one six, ISO 160 to 320 to 640. I shoot mm-hmm. a lot of these pictures that I've been doing the past few weeks, like at 640, 800, 1600. Because it was like, you know, my camera does fine up there. And okay, there's a little noise, but I'm fine with noise, you know? Right. Like I was shooting on the subway the other day at 1600 um, and just bouncing a, 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 a strobe off the ceiling, an on camera strobe off the ceiling to like give some overall illumination. Um, but th- the fact that you can do that nowadays, yeah, you, I mean, strobes are, are more, the little speed lights are more than powerful enough. It's actually rare that. I even use my I haven't used my big lights for anything this project I don't think. Maybe the couple that I did in the studio I used big lights. But a mm-hmm. lot of that isn't just isn't because it looks that different. It's it's because um I just didn't want to have to deal with batteries. Okay. Um the other night quality of light is still Yeah, I mean light. there's a little bit of a power thing, but you know just yeah, quality of light is the same. Although, you know, you and I were talking about this the other day that there are some people who shoot speed lights versus big lights and their pictures look like speed light pictures. Mm -hmm. You know, I think the trick is using doing the strobus stuff, but figuring out ways to make them feel like bigger lights. If you look at a picture and you go, Oh, that looks like it was shot with speed lights. That's a, that's a, that's a bad thing to say about a picture to me. Okay. And, and what is that? What is, what is that sort of line of demarcation that, 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 transitions you from speed light to big light is it modifier is it is it just knowing where to place the light we're going to gear out for just a second so bear with us gang um i think it's i think it's yeah i think it's placement of the light i think it's it's softening speed Mm -hmm. lights i mean there are times when you when you're going to use them direct but i think you're much better off when you're shooting them into an umbrella or through an umbrella or through a little softbox or through something else you know getting um, that surface bigger yeah yeah because okay. part of the problem is that they're just really harsh when they're just clean you know i actually mm-hmm. used straight speed lights the other day when i shot that uh, guy doing the whole bullet time thing right um i think it's called dodge right is that what it's called um you know there, there's one alien bees bouncing off the ceiling and then there's a speed light on each side uh just raw like kind of rimming the guy um, and those kind of look a little, those look a little too speed lighty to me, but I didn't have room to like, you know, diffuse the heck out of them. Um, but yeah, there's something about a lot, especially a lot of times when people take environmental portraits outside and stuff, they're just not, it's like, they're not diffusing it. I, so it's I, the sharpness that kind of gives it away. The sharpness of the light. Yeah, there's that. And then th- overall, I find that in, with lighting nowadays, especially with people who are just getting into lighting, um, there's this, there's this lack of subtlety, mm-hmm. you know, I mean that, that goes into the whole, um, too many lights argument in right. general. But I also think that there's this, um, sometimes a half a stop matters, you know, sometimes a third of a stop matters. So taking the time to play with your lights a little bit before things get really serious and, and, and kind of whittling the whole thing down and nailing it down, I think helps really improve your pictures. So it's not so rough, you know, it's like, it's polished a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So the ratios between your lights, and I'm not talking about like being exactly two to one or three to one. I'm talking about just 
looking at your pictures and saying, oh, that one feels a little too bright or, oh, I need a little more fill. Uh, it, is is it trying to get that right, that, that subtlety is what sort of makes your photos feel um, finished or professional or or if you're noticing the light, there's something you're not doing the light. Well, does that make sense? Okay, sure. Sure. I think, and, that, and it, do you, do you attribute that to, to paying too close of a tent, too close? How am I going to say it? relying too much on, on what the ratios should be rather than, than relying on your eye to kind of gauge I, how I think, well they look. Yeah. I think that's part of it. I think part of it is just an experience. You know, mm-hmm. just doing more and more and getting confident about the fact that getting being noticing more how the light actually looks, not being too worried about, oh, I have two lights working. Great. OK, let's take pictures, you know, actually taking the time to listen to your inner self while you're taking the pictures. OK, um, uh, you know, yeah, if, if if you notice the lights, that's bad. So it's like the uh, uh Better light is, is, I don't know. What's, what are, what's a good word? Um, <laughs> uh, is, 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 is invisible light. You know? mm-hmm. um, well, it's like going to a movie and if, if you're sitting there watching a film, you go, oh my God, that was a great special effects scene. Then it probably wasn't exactly because it, it took you out of the story yep. long enough to go, Hey, that was great special effects. Yeah, right. Uh, even though I'm using, I use a lot of lights in my stuff. I generally, I mean, and this is a generality. I mean, it's not always true. I generally want it to look like I didn't use any lights at all. Mm-hmm. You know, like it just happened to be like that in the place that I was shooting. And therefore, you know, it, it came out and looked that way. Sure. Uh, I used, you know, I used a light on the subway shot, the therapy shot, but I didn't, I didn't want it to look like I used a light. You know, I wanted it to look like it was just the lights in the subway, um, which it kind of I'm, ended up looking like. I'm kind of surprised you actually got away with that on the subway using a light. Uh, yeah, me too. <laughs> uh, they, the, uh, Ali and Tatiana were troopers and they were super awesome. Um, and you know, she brought a little pillow to lay down on and, and, and we, she had her feet up on the seats, which in New York, uh, is actually very, very bad to do. Like you can get a ticket for that. That's like $80 ticket for having your feet on the seat. And, uh, as we were taking some pictures, a cop got on the subway and said, "Hey, you you know, she's got to sit up." He didn't nice. tell me to stop taking yeah, pictures. Keep, he keep shooting, whatever. but but get the feet off the chairs. Yeah. 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 Uh and and so we you know, we did and then the train took off and he was still on the platform so we just went and back kept doing what we were doing. But uh I don't know, yeah, it's 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 interesting. So how is this project going for you? I mean, it's it's sort of, you know, it's year end, your year's winding down. Um Yeah when you started this project, was this a way to jumpstart 2013 or is this a way to get some last minute good work in for 2012? You know Um, what I mean? This is probably the, the latter uh, Mm -hmm. sort of back filling uh, because I feel like I didn't do enough personal work this year. Um, And there's also, you know, it's December's a weird time because in the advertising industry, there's just so many people and even the magazine industry, it's so much holiday things that no one's making decisions. So right. if you don't have work, you're not going to get it and do it before Christmas, you know? Yeah. Uh, things are pretty much shut down until after the first of the year. Exactly. So 
you know, I figured, you know what, I'm not that busy this month. So why don't I try to do some good work? Um, the work I'm, I'm pretty happy with. There's like a couple that I'm like, eh, okay. But all the rest I'm like, yeah, that was pretty darn good, which is kind of nice. And it's funny, the stuff that comes out that's, for example, yesterday I did this picture of, uh, my friend Meredith chasing her, uh, dachshund around, uh, a pole, you know, between rooms in her, Mm -hmm. like a room divider type thing. Yeah. And, uh, I didn't know what I was going to do. I actually didn't have somebody for yesterday and I called her up and I was like, Hey, you know, you up for a picture later? And she's like, sure, come on over. And I just sort of threw that together on the way over in my head and we did it and it worked, you know? Um, so sometimes just things just come out of nowhere, you know, or last week I did the, uh, my friend Chris's head in a, in a jar. Right. Uh, that was also sort of out of nowhere. I just, you know, he's, he, we were talking about doing something, uh, with him in the shower, uh, with, with like the body of a woman behind a curtain, but then the curtains pulled back. Like she's looking cause she thinks she hears somebody and have right. his head coming in out. his head. Nice. Uh, but I couldn't make it work in time. And he's like, well, you know, why don't we stick my head in a jar? And so, you know, we <laughs> You're like we, done. We stuck. I was like, I can do that. <laughs> so we stuck his head in a jar. Um, so yeah, it's good. It's, you know, and then tonight I got a good one. Tomorrow I got a good one. Then I got to go down to DC and that's, that'll be interesting. Um, well, it's, it seems like there's an interesting balance in this overall project of, of shots that you know what you're going to do and shots that you've got to scramble to kind of make work. Yeah. Yeah, there is. Um, you know, and it, do you, does one inform the other? Does one make you better than another? Um, having to come up with stuff on the fly is good experience. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's confidence boosting when it works. It's confidence deflating when it doesn't. Um, I think that overall I'd prefer to have it be that I, I, I'd, I'd prefer to know what I was doing before I walk in, but you can't always do that. So, you know, got to suck it up. Uh, I, I think that overall the pictures that I have an idea of before I go in end up being better because not only do I have an idea, but typically I know how I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. And with a lot of these, they're very composite or, or, you know, lighting setups and that kind of stuff. So I can, I can think through the intricacies of all that stuff before I even get started. And that, you know, makes the whole process easier and better. Um, that picture of the guy, the kid doing the limbo thing the other day. I mean, literally, I think we took maybe 15 pictures of him. Wow. And I was done. Yeah. You know, and then it was, then it was a matter of just getting the kettle. So we did some of the kettle and that was, you know, that was done. I mean, the whole thing, if it took 15 minutes for that picture to do all the picture taking, I would be surprised. So, you know, sometimes it goes really easily. And that one was just sort of thrown together because I, this guy was just like, well, you know, I can bend backwards really well. And I said, okay, well, let's see. Yeah. <laughs> and you then know, you're like, Oh, and I'm no, like, no, and at no. first I was like, wait, what can I do with that? And I was thinking, okay, maybe I could, you know, have him holding up a bridge or, you know what I mean? Like that way underneath the edge right. of a car and like lifting a car up. And I was like, right. yeah, it's boring. Too big. Yeah. And then I thought, Oh, it'd be really funny if we did some sort of bullet time kind of thing. And you know, that, then it kind of got to this, uh, you know, this whole thing. I, originally I was going to have her throwing plates at him, you know, like nice. they got in a big fight. Right. And then the kettle was there. I was like, the kettle would be good. So, you know, sometimes it just, it just comes, you know, it's fun uh, and nerve wracking all at the same time. Every once in a while this week, I, I was, I kind of hit this wall where I was like, oh God, I don't want to, I don't want to deal with today. You know, today I actually have, I have a, I have a client shoot this afternoon and then I have to go shoot today's picture. 
So I have, I have two shoots in four hours. Um, so that'll be interesting. Let's see if my stroke doesn't, can hold I up. mean, in, on, on the one hand, it's, it's almost like the, when, when you do these projects, you're cutting your chops all over again. Yeah. Right. Because yeah. you, you go through these periods of, of feeling like you're, you're not growing as an artist or a technician. And yeah. I know you, you do these projects to challenge yourself on all those levels. Yep. To challenge yourself creatively, to challenge yourself technically, uh, conceptually. Uh, I think it's also either consciously or subconsciously a way to sort of flex that, that, that social muscle, if you will. Sure. You know, because you're having to reach out to people that some of them you do know, some of them you don't know. And working with a model, working with a subject, let's say not, a, not even a model, working with a subject for a photographer is, is a skill that, that often gets brushed under a rug. Yeah. But I, right? yes. Um, although that is, that is the one place that I, I don't, you've really got a lot of confidence there. Yeah. I, I'm fine with that. Um, yeah. but I, for other, for some people, yeah, that's a big thing, you know? Um, it's also, you know, I mean, finding people that I had lots of people, you know, write in and, and volunteer, but not all of them are, are a good match for what I'm trying to do, or I can't come up with a concept or whatever it is. And some of these people are really nice. Like that guy, the bullet time guy. I mean, he, he's 20 year old kid named Patrick and he was total sweetheart, mm -hmm. you know, and he, he hung out for an hour afterwards and we just, you know, sat around the kitchen table BSing together, me and him and Heather. Um, so, I mean, sometimes it's, you, you meet people who are going to be your friends going on, you know, but I mean, overall, overall growth, the, the, the concept of this is, is to become better at what you do. I mean, I think that that is the goal of almost everybody, right? Sure. Um, practice makes perfect, et cetera, et cetera. But I think that growing is, is, is not a constant thing. It's not a smooth process. There, there was a, there was a bunch of stuff that came out a few years ago, sort of this theory that, uh, genetic changes, evolution, doesn't happen uh constantly that it that it takes leaps mm -hmm. did you ever read this whole stuff mm -hmm. they're talking about like between um neanderthal and and humans like the way that all this kind of stuff happened and and saying that like there were these there were these leaps twenty thousand years ago or fifty thousand years ago where where for some reason everything changed in a few generations yeah. there was an explosion of change and then nothing for thousands and exactly. thousands of years yeah. and, and and in some ways i think that the same thing is true of artistic growth that you could be sort of you you when you're first starting out you're learning everything all the time constantly and you you can accelerate really quickly you know you're at the you're at the at first you feel like you're not knowing anything and then all of a sudden you kind of are accelerating upwards really quickly, like sort of the hockey stick thing. Sure. But at a certain point you level out and you sort of hit these plateaus and you feel like you're never going to get better. And I hate feeling like you're never going to get better. That drives me nuts. Um, those, those plateaus. Cause you, cause you don't know, you don't know what's going to come next. You know, it's, it's and and change. Look, getting better often involves change, change in style, making decisions about things, coming up with new ideas that, that, that are, are, are the opposite of what you were doing all along. And sure. that kind of stuff can be really scary, right? Yeah. I mean, um, 
Nikki's going through that exact thing right now. Right. Yeah. And it's it, it, to, 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 for somebody to say, okay, I've been doing this for X years and now I'm going to do that. But wait, I was good at this. I'm not good at that. And it's like, well, you know what? You weren't good at this originally. It, you only mm-hmm. got good at it because you've been doing it all that time. Right. Um, but there's that there's that there, that fear that you experience all over again when you when you change directions and it's not a kaleidoscopic change where it's just sort of tiny and incremental where it's it's a right turn or a left turn you, you go through that that sort of shock of shit now I don't know what I'm doing yeah yeah you do uh, but but that's when you actually learn new stuff right I mean if you mm-hmm. knew what you were doing all the time I I have this problem myself i have this weird thing where i don't want to admit that i don't know something right but go on (laughs) (laughs) and not not like not that i'm making stuff up as we're talking here but if i don't say um let's say okay i don't know how to uh coat glass plates you know collodion process stuff I don't know. I mean, I know the theory of what they're doing. Right. I've the never, steps involved. Right. I've never done it before. Right. Right. I feel like if I go and sign up for a class to learn how to do that, somehow that's admitting that I'm stupid. Do you ever have that feeling? All the time. Okay. Even though the person who's teaching the class at one point didn't know how to do yeah, that. They didn't know it. Uh, Ian Rutter, who's driving around in this truck that he converted into a a, a wet plate camera a year and a half ago didn't know anything about it right right but now he's become kind of the go-to guy for enormous wet plate collodion prints exactly or images but for some reason i feel like it's embarrassing to me to walk into a class to learn how to do that for some reason because Hmm. then i don't know it's just it's a weird is it the admission is that is that what it is? It's a weird hang up. Yeah, it's kind of like yeah, it's admitting that I don't know everything, which of course I don't know everything. But for, sure. But for some reason in my head. But Bill, Bill. Yeah. What you don't know isn't important. Well, that's probably true. <laughs> uh, but you understand what I'm saying, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but but so for me, well, you know, I'm going to jump in for go just ahead, a second. Sure. Part part of it, I think, is because you. You put such a high value personally on knowledge. I do. You, you put an enormously high value on uh, learning and coming out the other side knowing. Yeah. So, you know, f- I, I, it makes sense. But you've got to take your own advice, I think, and realize that, you know, prior to 2006, you didn't know. I didn't know anything. Yeah. But the what I was going to get at though is that I am like a very accomplished autodidact. I I can teach myself almost anything. Mhm. So for me, okay, I don't know how to do wet plate collodion, but you know what? I may look it up, read a book, go get the chemicals and mess around in my kitchen for 3 days and then right. I'll know it. Not like, not and and not to be proficient or enough to teach, but just so that you go, yep, I know how to do that. Yes. And, and, and maybe I get really good at it, but, mm-hmm. but, but there's a certain amount of satisfaction I get for not having to admit that I didn't know it before. I sort, I sort of like stealth learned it, you know, right. <laughs> like there's right, right, this right. weird, but that's, that's a crazy hangup of mine. 
I don't know why I feel that way, but I feel like that's I have a weird hang up about that. But hmm. the point is, is that you, you know, just just because you don't know something and, you know, you you hit this wall, you feel like you're stuck. It may be like all of that stuff. It's 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 scary. Growth is scary. Growing up is scary, you know, and it's the same thing in uh, photography as it is in life. You know, um, sure. It's it's the unknown is scary. I guess that's what it is. Right. Um, so it's it's I don't know. I, I think that you look sometimes you look at a year of your life and you kind of when when the end of the year comes around you start thinking about oh you know what have i accomplished this year um you know did did i waste time doing 40 of these podcasts no i never no (laughs) you take that say that no but like you know that's well there's a good example right last year at this time you and i weren't doing this show and now we have thousands of people listening to us talk about, I don't know, whatever it is we talk about. Whatever. Yeah. And, no, I, I mean, look, and, I, if I'm being honest, I haven't been productive since I haven't been as productive as I should be, let's say, uh-huh. uh, since my mom died in 2009. Right. You know, yeah. I, sh- I completely shut down creatively. Right. You know, on, well, on some level, my, my audience had gone. Yeah, but uh, you know, I, in I, her, sure, no, and I and I under I completely understand what you're saying, but I also think that that's in your head. Absolutely, it is, yeah. and uh, absolutely, and it. But it but it took some time to realize that and to get sort of back in the game. Yep, sure. right, and and to start growing again and start trying new things. Um, on the other side of that, because you have to, or at least I had to, I had to sort of refine my North. Sure. You know, yeah. Yeah. and there were, there were many months of not knowing where North was. Sure. Right? Absolutely. Um, and I mean, I'm sure it was similar with, with you when, when you lost your dad, yep. there's just this, this vacuum you know, yeah. and, and for that time, the world spins a little more slowly and you seem to move through it a little more slowly and you seem to react to things a little more slowly until you let yourself sort of kind of ramp up to speed again. Sure. But I, I, I mean, in my case, that ended up leading me to photography, right? So it can also be a good thing. Absolutely. You know. Yeah, absolutely. It's, look, I wouldn't change anything. People say, you know, what would you change if you could go back? I wouldn't change a thing because there's that butterfly effect of if I take out one of the things that I'm in hindsight looking at as bad, I may be in a completely different place than I am right now. And right now I can say with absolute assurance is exactly where I want to be. Right. Right. And, it, but, it, it, you know, and sometimes having limitations you know, it could be a good thing. Sometimes trying to figure out where you want to go from here artistically is a difficult thing to do because sometimes, <laughs> well, you know, oftentimes it's a difficult thing to do if only because you, it's like sort of, you have too many choices, you know, you go too many places. Yes. Um, uh, it's, it's, but, but, but shooting in general, it's never a waste of time, you know, like trying, trying to grow. You, 
you know, uh, we were saying about like, you know, Nikki shot floral stuff for botanical stuff for years mm-hmm. and, and now she's getting into food stuff. And then there's a question of, oh, well, why didn't I do food stuff originally? And did I waste all that? You're never wasting time. Yeah, no, that, that in, in, in that example, that led her to where she's at, you know, and she's applying that aesthetic and that sensibility that she sort of refined shooting nature and, and, and macros and florals, applying that to food in a way that, that I've not seen very often, let's say. Right. I'm sure somebody's done it, but, but it's very different than, than the normal sort of fare of, of food photography. Right. And I think that's what's making it special. Yeah, every, everything you do is building your own style and that style stays with you and, sure. it, and it evolves over time. And that's the other thing. You don't always see how things are changing. A lot of times, you know, you look back and think, wow, I haven't done Dick all year long. And you know, my pictures look the same as they did last year. But if you go back and look at your pictures last year and your pictures now, they probably really don't. That's probably in your head. You know? Yeah. Like I yeah. was saying last week, these pictures I'm taking in December now, I was kind of like, eh, whatever. But if I go back and look at them and compare them to the ones from last year, they actually are, I'm better at it now than I was last year, even though I don't realize it. Sure. You know, I, I don't, and, you and only see that in hindsight. The changes may be subtle or incremental. You may be uh, better at compositing yep. because you've been doing it all year long. So your mats that you cut are cleaner. Right. Uh, you're able to do hair better. You're matching color better. You're, you know, it doesn't have to be night and day change. It can be subtle refinement yep. that, that just come across as a better end product. A little more and a little more and a little more. Yeah. I mean, it's, it doesn't, yeah, it's not, it's not, it's not necessary to, yeah, to be a whole new person every day. You just got to be a little bit better. Yeah. That should be the goal anyway. Yeah. You know? Anyway, good stuff. Yeah, very good. Uh, you still looking for a camera? <laughs> Is yes. that true? Yes. <laughs> Look, yes. We, we we never talk about gear on this show. Very rarely. Very rarely. Yeah. Uh, okay. I'll tell you what. Since it is the week before Christmas. <laughs> Here it comes. Uh, and, and since, since Jeffrey cannot make up his bleeping mind about what he yes. wants to buy. Uh, we'll, we'll spend 10 minutes and we'll talk about gear on the show. How about that? Look, okay, look, here's a little Christmas present to our listeners. Uh, look, it's, it is an amazing time to be a photographer right now from a gear standpoint. There, there is never arguably in the history of photography been the number of choices of tools to get you where you want to go and get you there very efficiently. Okay. Yeah. Now with Google maps, it, you know, it's fantastic. Well, yeah, that's right. Now that Apple Maps is the only game in town. No, I mean, there, there, whatever price range you're at, there are a, a staggering number of tools available. Yes, true. And that's what's, that's that, that, Bill, that, Bill, is what's making me crazy. Too many options. Too many choices. Yeah. You know, is 16 megapixel, 24 megapixel, 38 megapixel, full frame, crop sensor, four thirds, blah, 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 blah. It's, it's no dizzy. mirror, mirror, yeah, optical viewfinder, electronic viewfinder. Yeah, it, it's, it, and, and everybody, everybody loves the choice that they've made, right? Yes, true. 
So, so the people that have purchased the Olympus OMD EM5, blah, 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 they think it's the greatest camera ever. But the people that chose the Fuji XE1, they don't so much like the EMD EM5 because of blah, because they bought the XE1, right? Yes. So this is, this is the inherent problem with, with user reviews of gear is on some level, they are all justifying the choice that they've made. True. Yep. Yeah. I, I you know, I, I met a girl the other day, uh, Tatiana, who, who helped out with, who was the girl laying down on the subway. Okay. And um, she's, a, she's a wedding photographer. She also, like, shoots kids and stuff, and she's, she's very good. Um, but I asked her, I asked her, because she's, she's a very, very small woman. I mean, you know, hundred pounds, 110 pounds. I mean, she's little. And I said, you know, how do you five foot four, you know, that kind of thing. Right. And I was like, what do you, you know, what do you shoot with? Cause I, my back hurts carrying my five D two and a few five D three and a few lenses, you know? Mm-hmm. And she says she uses two full size Nikon bodies, like D three S's with zooms on them. Right. Big zooms on them. And I'm like, that's crazy. That would make my back hurt. And I'm twice the size of her, Yeah, you know? Um, and the reason why she uses that is because she had, she had a Canon 5d two, I think. And then she was so frustrated by low light autofocus. And then some guy at some workshop or something told her she should switch to Nikon. So she did, which uh, I don't necessarily agree with whatever. Um, but then, you know, she likes the autofocus on these pro bodies, which, you know, she would have gotten moving to a Canon pro body too, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, she she doesn't like the skin tones, you know, as much or whatever. And it's, you know, I, it, it's, I would agree with that. Okay. But it's, but it's funny that like, there's all, it's always something, right? Sure. You know, like it's, yeah. there's always a trade-off. Yeah. There's always, always a trade-off. And, and this is what's driving me crazy in my, in my quest for um new gear yes is is what is important what is not important i mean look you and i have talked about this enough to know that for for me to know that anything that i buy is going to be a more camera than i need and b able to produce absolutely superb photographs yes true true whether it's a micro four thirds or an APS-C or your iPhone five or my iPhone five or a full frame camera. And I get that. I get that in, in theory, but the practice of it is driving me crazy. Okay. So let's, let's go to brass tacks. (laughs) How much money do you want to spend? See, I don't even, I, I, okay. I I don't want to spend D 800 money or five D three money. Which is three thousand dollars. Three thousand thirty five hundred. You're, but you're, you're willing to spend up to say two grand for a body and a lens. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, I've been looking at the six D and the D six hundred. Both again, both of which have their trade offs. Okay. Uh, the the D six hundred. I'm not really look. The D six hundred is basically a D seven thousand with a full frame sensor. Right, and the and the D the six D six D is basically a five D Mark II in a new body. Yeah, a little better focusing. I mean, but it's only one cross-type sensor and blah, 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 right? So then I'm looking at, at some of the mirrorless options. Sure. Um, the question is, what do you want to do with this camera? What are you looking to take pictures that of? That is the big question, right? And, and I, you know, I can't answer it. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know where it's going to take Well, me. I think maybe I mean, that's your problem. 
There's your I mean, problem. I, there's, damn it, boy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Look, I mean, if 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 everything were to line up and the stars were to align, uh, if I could point to a career and say I I love this type of work, yes, it would be. You know, it would be Heisler. It would be Dan Winters. It would be those types of of moody sort of moody portraiture, I guess. Okay. You know, um, it, so in that sense, it really doesn't matter what camera because they're not going to be four foot by eight foot enlargements. Right. Uh, it 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 comes down to uh, you know the way it feels in your hand and uh, the way it feels to your face, really. True. And and that's 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 the thing. I mean, when I the the camera that I'm coming from is a Nikon D300, which uh, though not top of the heap spec wise anymore, still is the best feeling camera in my hands that I've ever held. It just it fits my hands perfectly. Okay. I love the ergonomics of it. And what is the modern version of that camera? There isn't one. Nikon has yet to replace it. Ah, okay. Well, there, there. Well, there's your problem. <laughs> Stupid Nikon. Uh, um, you know, so, I mean, I, I actually. And there's also the question of, do I want to get another Nikon because that's what Nikki shoots, so then we can, you know, share lenses and whatnot. Uh, potentially, I mean, yeah, she really only uses two lenses, but yeah. Um, you know, I, 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 the other day on the train, I think I mentioned this last week. I bumped into a guy who had one of those. X one E E X E X E one the Fuji X E one yeah that's that's on my short list. It's a, it was a pretty nice camera. Uh, it was not the kind of camera that would be my personal only camera, but I think I like the feel of mirrors going up and shutters clicking, and you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Like I don't like mm-hmm. really electronic-y kind of cameras. Sure. Um. But but you know for maybe for what you want to shoot, maybe that's the perfect thing. What is that like thirteen hundred bucks? Yeah, something like that. You know, like the, you know, you know what you can do there, too. There's the perception. Well, there's go, the perception. Yeah, but that's a fine camera. I don't think the perception is going to be bad with a camera like that. Yeah. If anything, you look like you have a Leica, especially if you tape it up <laughs> and, and write Leica on it. Yeah. Yeah, you could get a, you could you could get all Frank Abagnale and on it. Uh, and uh, yeah, um, I just spell it wrong. You know. Yeah, Leica. Um. <laughs> It, 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 look, I, or you could go to borrow lenses and spend $150 renting a few cameras for a weekend. Yeah. See what and you, then see, what see you which like. ones you like. I that's, mean, you also probably. know enough people who own half these things. Yeah, I know. You know, I think what it is, you just look, you're right. Any of these tools will do almost anything you want it to do. Yes. So really you just need to make a choice, get one and move on. I, I have a friend who years ago when he was looking to buy a digital camera cause he had kids, um, was like, look, this was back in the D70 days. So this was, whatever, six, eight years ago. Sure. And he would call me up and say he listened, read a review and he saw this and he read another review and they saw this and he's thought about this and you can't buy that because of this and review this. And it got to the point where I was like, dude, it's been six months. You could have bought the camera and then used it for six months in the past yeah. six months. Well, and that's, that's kind of and he was what I was saying, and he has money too. So yeah. it wasn't even like, oh man, this is the only thousand dollars that I have available for the next five years. It was like a thousand dollars was not a big deal to him. So it's that kind of stuff just gets crazy. 
Sure. And that's, that's the thing. Which, which is why I always say that gear doesn't matter because any of these things will do anything. You just got to choose one and work with it. Yeah. I mean, look, I, uh, the, the reality of it is I could go buy a, a, a Rebel 4 Ti yep. and get you know, pictures that are going to look absolutely fine. Yep. True. Yeah. I've heard really good things about those Fuji lenses too. Personally, I would lean, I, I, I would, I would like you to get one of those Fuji things just because I want to play with it. <laughs> okay. Well, there it is. Is that, is that wrong of me? <laughs> no, no, that's good. That's fine. That's uh, fine. Fuji, you know, I think Fuji made a lot of the lenses for the Hasselblad H series originally. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that those um, Hasselblad, up there with Zeiss lenses. Do you think? Uh, uh, yeah, apparently they were. They were. Yeah, look at that. Yeah. Okay. So Hasselblad has yeah used Fuji to make lenses for them. Yep, built mm. in Japan by Fuji, the H2 and stuff used Fuji glass. So that's interesting, right there, isn't it? You know. Sure. Um, so well, and there, there, there's something, there's something, first of all, I love the styling. I'll, I'll give you that. But there's something interesting about kind of ushering in this, this, this different technology. Yes, it's mirrorless. Yes, it's using a different type. It's using an X-Trans sensor versus a Bayer sensor. There's all this sort of technical gobbledygook that's, that most people really could care less about. But like you and I are like, oh, wow, really? Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it captures RGB differently? How, what? Go on. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But does that so, make any difference in the end? Or in the end, no. difference to yeah, – it's – no. all these cameras are so good. Yeah. So good. Yeah. I don't know. Personally, I think you should go get a, 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 the the new Fuji. That's what I would get if I were you. With a grip. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. No grip. <laughs> you people with your grips. I'm not going to do a grip rant, right? <laughs> no, we'll leave that. We'll leave that for another show. Oh, but man, just so you know, listeners, Bill's grip rants are really funny. <laughs> it's like a goddamn Honda Civic with a cheap spoiler on the back. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Hey, let's can, talk about Squarespace. Can you say tacky? No, no, no. Let's. Uh, <laughs> we got some other stuff to talk about before we get to Squarespace. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's. You know what? Let's. You, what do you want to talk about? Here's what we'll do. We're gonna we're gonna move this stuff. Are we after making changes? Ad. What are we doing? We're gonna do that stuff behind the ad. But we're gonna. You know what? Before we get to the ad, let's talk about this Instagram thing. Because people wrote this, in this asking Facetagram? about this. They, they should just change it to Facetagram. All right. So so what happened? Okay. So I- I- Instagram purchased by Facebook, right? Right. Uh, which it was an odd I, – I, I still don't understand. I guess it's for market share, really, right? Um, but they've, they've changed their TOS. They've changed their terms of service, uh, basically saying that they can use your image, your images, your likeness for ads, for not ads, basically however they want to use it. Right. And they're not giving users the option to opt out. Right. The so, only opt out is to delete your account. Which I did this morning. Yes. A lot of people have. Uh, Richard Cochi Hernandez posted something about it. He's a big iPhoneographer, teaches, uh, I think at Berkeley, is that where he teaches? San Jose, maybe? So basically uh, what it's saying is anyway. that if you upload your images to them, uh, they now have the ability they own a, a copyright that they can then sell or do whatever the hell they want with yes uh they claim the way it reads is they claim the perpetual right to license 
all public Instagram photos to companies or any other organization. Yeah. Yeah, that's not right. So yeah, I, I, I deleted my account this morning and you know, do you know that how, when we, a few, few episodes into the show, people were giving me crap about not being on Instagram Mm -hmm. or making crap about Instagram. And then I joined Instagram and I started uploading stuff to Instagram. This is the reason why I don't like Instagram. (laughs) Okay. Here, here's another thing. Uh, if Instagram users, this is according to an article on CNET, um, who are, are reporting, uh, basically on the story via the electronic frontier foundation. Okay. I love the EFF. Gotta love them. Uh, if Instagram users continue to upload photos after January 16th, 2013 and subsequently delete their account after the deadline, they may have granted Facebook an irrevocable right to sell those images in perpetuity. There's no obvious language that says deleting an account terminates Facebook's rights. So after this this deadline, uh, apparently, the way it reads, is uh, Facebook can can do whatever they want with whatever they want, the, which is odd to me. Okay, this is a ridiculous rights grab. This is this is ridiculous. Sure, um, if you take a photograph, you own the copyright to that photograph. Just by uploading it to some service that automatically gives them a license to do whatever they want with it in perpetuity for any reason is absurd. And no one should use that that service. No one. Delete your stuff. Walk away. Make the $1 billion that Facebook paid for this company go right down the tubes because that's absurd. Yeah. Um, and they need yeah, to be one taught of, a lesson. One of the sections... Uh, in in the new TOS, delete. There's a, there's a phrase that currently reads, "It's a limited license." Uh, that has been deleted and uh, replaced with transferable and sublicensable, which allows Facebook then to, uh, as it reads, sublicense your photos to anyone they choose, the, without your knowledge and or compensation. Part of the problem is lawyers, because lawyers are always trying to get away with everything they can get away with in a contract. Sure. So they're going to put the kitchen sink in there if they think they can get away with it. Uh, the trick is to people to push back and not let them get away with it. There, what will probably happen is that uh, Instagram will get such a backlash from this that they'll back off of this. That's that's probably what will happen. Well, you, you know, you can hope. Right. Um, the problem is, is that just by them trying, it makes my mouth sour so much to them that I'm not, sure. I'm out. Sure. Uh, there, there's another, I mean, it's not, and it's not just well, sharing. It's not that just that. And the whole Facebook thing last week or the Twitter thing last week where you, where Instagram stuff doesn't show up in your Twitter, a link to it does, but the right. images don't the anymore because image they yeah. shut down. It's just yeah, like, it's this weird grab now. Yeah. And it, so here's the problem with all of this is that by putting your stuff into any service, whether it's Facebook or Instagram or hipstamatic or even sticking stuff up on the Twitter thing, you're, you're giving your stuff over to somebody else, right? Sure. Where, where and you don't have control it, over it. Very few people take the time to read the EULA. Of course. And very the, few the people also look at most people's photos on all these things. I mean, right. how, the billion, you know, what was the old thing? Like a more photos have been taken in the past year than in all of 
humanity or something. What was the stupid something? Stat? I think it was fifty percent of the of the photos ever taken were taken in the last twelve right. months. And you know what? Most of them suck. <laughs> <laughs> Most of them are of people's feet on the beach and food they're about yeah. to eat. Yeah. Um, and so th- th- there's this. There's this. Uh, th- th- I don't know. I my feeling about this is this. I take pictures with my phone sometimes. I take pictures with my real camera. I do sometimes post these things on Facebook or uh, Google Plus or stick them up on Twitter or whatever it is. But before I do that, I stick them on my own site. Mm-hmm. I stick them up on On Taking Pictures or on BillWadman.com because I have control over those sites and the things and their terms of service is my terms of service. Right. Um, and I think that the best thing that you can do in these situations is have a place that's not going to shut down tomorrow. You know, if Instagram suddenly went out of business and you didn't have any of those Instagram photos anymore because you didn't go download them in time before they shut down or whatever it is, which could happen tomorrow for all we know, you know, we don't know. Um, Yeah. Any, any of the services where, where you are putting your work out of, in some ways out of your reach, but in other ways out of your control. Exactly. Why, why, why do that when you can set up your own thing for, you know, next to nothing and then have control over it? You know? mm-hmm. um, I don't know. It's it, that kind of stuff. And it used to be that it was a real pain in the neck to do it in your own website or, you know, to do your own website. Um, but, and then, you know, the other weird thing is that Facebook last week started doing uh, auto upload of images. Did you see this? No. So when you take pictures with your phone, Facebook was auto uploading those. Oh, okay. Yeah, I did read something about to that. To a gallery on Facebook that was private to you. Mm-hmm. So it's not like it was uploading everything and just sticking it up on your Facebook profile, but it was in on the Facebook server. It was in their ecosystem. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. waiting for you to then share it or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um the, the look the the one good thing about that is that then the stuff is off of your phone and you don't have to worry about your phone getting lost or stolen you know it's all up on facebook right there's there's something to say for that sure I, but you I, could do the same thing with dropbox well i don't do that right i do do the dropboxing the problem with the dropbox auto upload is that you have to you have to open up dropbox in order to, for it to work it's not working in the background mhm you open up dropbox and then it'll say oh you have 40 pictures that you haven't uploaded to dropbox i'll do that now and it's kind of like, well, if I've got to remember to open up the Dropbox app in order to do this, then it's not really auto-upload. It's sort of like I have to instantiate the backup, as right. it were. Um, so that's not really an ideal solution either. You know. Uh, then there's the Apple – what is it called? The iCloud? Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, no, uh, PhotoStream. PhotoStream, right? But then – which is I, fine, but it only works over Wi-Fi. Right. And I, from what I understand, you have to then go into iPhoto for it to actually download the pictures to your computer. Yes. Because PhotoStream only holds, what, 1,000 pictures or 500 pictures or something? Uh, then, I'm not sure the number. And at the uh, back, it, it also, just goes in a bit bucket. It's it, just, it deletes after a month as well. Right. Auto so, deletes. So you have to go in there and download it to your computer, and you got to remember to open up iPhoto to do that. And I don't use iPhoto or whatever, you know. So – I think that there was a thing in Mountain Lion that it was doing it in the background anyway, but I have to check on that. Um, mm. That would be useful, you know. Um, but so you you know you want to make the pictures independent from the device, but at the same time you don't want to give those over to people who have more rights than you do, you know, um, or are attempting at every turn right. to usurp your rights. Right. But if you want to share stuff on the internet, make your own blog and start putting your pictures up there. You know, sure. I mean, use look. 
Squarespace, which we'll do an ad for in a minute, would be a perfect use for that. You know, $8 a month and you could go stick them up on a blog up there. Easy to use. They have an app for the phone and the whole thing, you know, and then, then, you know, you have control over it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's such, it's such yeah, a better You can way share to it go. just as easily, but, yeah. but the bucket that you're pointing to is under your control. Yes. And then yeah. you can share from there and then people can come to you to see the picture versus you giving the picture over to all these other people. I don't know. It's just, it's just, it's a smarter way to do it in my opinion. Yeah, let's, t- let's talk about Squarespace. Squarespace. We love Squarespace. Hey, uh, if, if you want to do it yourself, you know, like we were just talking, which why wouldn't you really? Yeah. Um, take a look at Squarespace. They've got amazing templates. They're yep. clean, very well designed. They're all responsive, which means uh, on, on your desktop, if you take the corner of your browser and you shrink your browser window way down to the size of a phone, your website's going to shrink down with you. It's going to look great on phones, tablets, computers, you name it. You don't have to use any fancy plugins. Uh, it, it's, it's just there. Uh, and as Bill said, you've got all your social media integration. So you can put you know, Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest, whatever you want, uh, all built in. Yeah. Uh, everything in the platform is drag and drop. So you've got this, this beautiful back end where you can drag and drop layout. You can, you've got uh, metrics and analytics that are all built in. Uh, what am I missing? Uh, it'll, it'll import uh, from Tumblr and WordPress and sure. Posterous and Blogger. Uh, which is, is Posterous still a thing? Uh, apparently. Huh. Uh, which, which is just great because so, you know, you want your own website you don't want to deal with any of that stuff. It's pain in the neck. You don't want to deal with FTP and setting up this, that, and the other thing. You got some other Squarespace uh, is is hosting and software in one. Uh, and as Jeffrey said, the templates, the importing, the exporting, it's it's they've got everything. We God. talked about templates a little bit uh, last week. Uh, yeah. Here's another template to go look at: Hudson. 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 I don't know if I've seen Hudson yet. It's, it's all that and more? It's, it's super clean. Super clean and uh, looks amazing on an oh, iPhone. Yeah, look at that. That's sick? That's kind of nice. Yeah, I like that a lot. Man, they're, they're, they're getting good with these templates. They yeah. have really good designers there. These things look beautiful. Yeah, they're nice. Um, nice typography too, which yeah. uh, a lot of websites really don't pay attention to yeah. typography. They use all those Google web fonts. Yes, so, and I mean, I think there are 250 something Google web fonts that you can choose from now. Yep. Totally. Uh, so no excuse not to have, uh, an amazing looking website that you can build and manage yourself. Yeah. You know, they, um, the, the other cool thing is, I mean, they, so they've got their, their standard package, which is like eight bucks a month when you bill it for a year, um, you get you get you know twenty pages galleries and blogs five hundred gigabytes of of bandwidth a month two gigs of storage you get a free custom domain you get you know twenty four seven support eight bucks a month that's nothing yeah you know? and and I I doubt you're going to use five hundred gigs a month right. a little hundred dollars a year and you you have control over everything that you put on the web and you make it look the way you want it to look and you you know this is this is important stuff and if you go. Uh, right now over to squarespace.com slash OTP, uh, you can, and you sign up, try get a trial, try it for a couple weeks. If you like it and you want to buy, uh, you can just use the code. Ready, Jeffrey? What is it? Take more pictures. 
Take more pictures. Use the code take more pictures. Uh, it'll support the show and it'll give you 10% off. Yeah. And you don't even have to, you don't have to supply a credit card to try it. Nope. So don't, you know, don't think that this is like, you know, yeah. oh, they're going to start billing me automatically. Yep. It, none of that. It's, no. You get two weeks. If two weeks isn't enough, you send them an email, say, hey, I need more time. They'll, they'll let you have more time. I and, mean, it's, it, this is not a pressure thing. Nope. Absolutely not. Even if you're with somebody else, you can always go, uh, go open up one of these trials at Squarespace. Give it a shot. You know? Yeah, Im- import your existing site. Yeah. See what it looks like. You're, you're, you're not cheating on your old girlfriend. <laughs> you know, uh, you're, you're 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 just trying out a better girlfriend. Um, oh wow! Well, you know, it happens. Um, <laughs> Does it happen? <laughs> not 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 to me. I've got the best girlfriend. Um, but uh, but you know, you can go try it out, like Jeffrey said, for free, no credit card, nothing. You just set up a new site. You could bring stuff into it, play around for an hour or two, see how you like it. And if you like it, go buy, use, uh, take more pictures, and, uh, and you'll get 10% off when you buy. And you get a domain name. And you get a domain name. Man, they so got it. So if you want to set up something new. They got it know. going on. Uh, squarespace.com everything you need to create an exceptional website so it's it's squarespace.com slash otp code is take more pictures Uh, all all one word all one word all one word uh let's see here what's next uh you had this film thing that you wanted to talk about i think you put the film thing in there did i put the film thing in yes what was this oh well you know it's okay it's just kind of piggybacking on on what we had talked about, I forget what episode it was, but, but basically you made the, the point that film is based on, on volume. Yep. Both quality and, and price, uh, are, are based on making, you know, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of feet of this stuff at a time. Yep. Uh, and the idea that, that film becomes a niche market or industry means that a it's going to be more expensive but b the quality is also going to suffer probably yes yeah you know because they're not making these enormous batches so you're going to get the variances that that you got in the early days of film before they started ramping up making huge batches of film yep uh it's just bad news bears it's it's not not good news for for film shooters at all no it's not i mean yeah even if you're going even if you can continue to get film which you know, if Kodak is actually going away in the next year or so and stops making film, then you got Fuji and Ilford for black and white. Mm-hmm. But th- you know what? Those companies are not going to live forever. You know, it's not like you could be – Fuji is at the same scale as Kodak. So what are they doing differently? Are they just selling more film in Japan? Which, yeah, okay. They're, there's more they're making good cameras. Yeah, well, see, look, they're making the big tr- uh, transition over to digital that Kodak should have made, you know. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. So, but it, but it's, yeah, the, the whole idea that you're going to be able to get the same quality and, and spread of film that you get now is insane. It's just not going to happen. Right. Uh, so yeah, no, this is, this is an interesting article. Actually, we should, we'll put it in the show notes. It's called rage, rage against the dying of the dark. Uh, I love the title though. Yeah. It's pretty good. What What is that a reference to? It's uh some, uh, poem, right? I don't know. Is it? Yeah, I just yeah, liked it. it. No, no, there's, it's, it's a reference to some poem. Um, but, uh, see, here we go. Mr. Burley, uh, showers praise on the impossible project. The guy they're talking about, mm-hmm. yeah, it could only succeed because its product need not be consistent. 
Compared to standard photographic film, each instant print is messier and unpredictable. It's the exception that proves the rule, he says. It's just interesting. I think it's, uh, it's kind of neat. Could we put um, – there's a little clip, uh, a little documentary called Kodachrome 2010. Could we put that in the show notes? Sure. Uh, have you seen this? I don't know that I have. Is this the guy okay. who went and watched it, the last ones that got done or whatever? This yeah this is this is like the 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 demise of Dwayne's photo which was the last lab to process Kodachrome but but what's interesting about it is they show the complexity of the actual processing and it's it's mind-numbingly complex. Where, where is On, this uh, documentary? Here, uh, well, Bill. Is it on the is it on the 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 uh, the Facebook? It's uh it's on the oh, Vimeo. You have, you have to oh it's on Vimeo okay yeah all right well so it's just a little ten minute or oh we can definitely uh, put it, this in there it's a really neat look at um how 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 complicated Kodachrome was uh and it and it begins to give you an idea of of all of the moving parts that are in the film industry that it's yep. not just you know smearing some chemistry on some gelatin and calling it a day that it it really is uh, uh, complicated, I guess. I think the word you're looking for is hard. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so nice, nice look at at Dwayne's. They were the last lab to uh, to process Kodachrome, and I think they were the ones that processed McCurry's last roll. Yes, and I think Jay Mazel may have shot some too. All those guys, all those big Kodachrome guys. Yeah, Jay Mazel though he thinks I'm an a hole. <laughs> yeah what was it tell the story you were you were at his, at his i was at his, his house. house yeah and i i was i was He's taking, doing a workshop right no it wasn't doing a workshop he was doing an interview with a friend of mine okay and uh and i happened to be there at the same time and so i was taking some pictures of him doing an interview and i i took off one of my lenses and i i i, I it was like my 35 prime or whatever it is and i i put it down on the table and apparently it was too close to the edge for jay and he stops what he's doing in the interview and he looks at me and he goes, you really are an asshole. Like, and I was just like, wow, really? Hey, Wadman. Yeah, it, it was that, yeah. For a time, I actually put it in my, uh, my like, uh, references part of my website, like the quotes nice. about me that nice. other people have said. Yeah, um, so says Jay Maisel. I, I take it as a compliment. But there was a really good picture of he and I uh, after that where like we have like perfect body language symmetry, which means that we were clicking. Nice. Uh, which which I, I really kind of like. So I don't think that he dislikes me. I think that it was just a there was it was, a, it was, an, it was an endearing term. He's an eighty one year old guy. He's going to be a cantankerous old man, right? Yeah. You know, See, well, this, this, is, this is visions of the future for Bill Wadman. Yeah, I'm going to be just like that. <laughs> someday I'm going to yeah, be calling yeah, some other yeah. kid an a hole. Yeah, gonna be. Yeah, 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 gonna be. <laughs> okay, next week. Yeah. Um, I just, I don't know. It's just interesting. Uh, YouTube releases an iOS video app. Yeah. Release. So wait, you make your videos on there and then it uploads them straight to straight to YouTube. Yeah. And you know, sharing about that. Um, I, well, see, I have data turned off, but cellular data turned off. You do. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't use cellular data. I don't. I'm. I'm. Yeah, because I only have a two gig plan. I'm not on unlimited two or anything. Gigs is enough to like check your email and stuff. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I, okay. I do that, but I don't. Like, I don't download apps or upload photos or videos or anything like that. Only over Wi-Fi. Okay. So I guess this is okay. 
you know, you, you can select Wi-Fi only. And, I see what and, you're saying. So, so the, the problem you have with it is bandwidth. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But it seems like a cool app. Yeah, I mean, you know? the the, uh, the GUI seems kind of nice. Yeah, it's it's clean. I like GUI. Um, this yeah, GUI seems very GUI. Yeah. Uh, you know, Google's doing some interesting stuff with interfaces lately. Man, not to get off on a, a thing here, but the, the new Gmail app and the new uh, Google Maps app on iOS make the Apple apps look really kind of... Yeah, honestly... They if, make them look you, really old. Yeah, if you are not using... I mean, I've dumped Sparrow now. If you're not using the Gmail app on iOS, uh, you're missing out because it's super clean. It's very fast. Uh, multiple account support, which is nice. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it, yeah, the new Gmail app is good. The only thing I don't like about the new Gmail app is that it doesn't work uh, offline. It doesn't. It downloads headers, but it doesn't download all the email. Isn't so, there a setting that you can download everything? Not that, not that I have seen. So if you, huh. like, for example, check your email and then go underground uh, in the subway. You oh, can't you'll just then, get the header. You'll just get the header. Okay. So that's that's the only thing that I don't like. It needs it needs a better offline mode. Uh, got all the filters though. All your tags show up. Your labels. Yeah. Uh, all yeah. that stuff. It's it's nice. It's, and it, and the UI is clean. It makes me not feel so bad about having not gotten an Android phone. <laughs> I mean, the reason why I wanted Android was a good Gmail app and good Maps app, and now they've made both of those for iOS. So it's like okay. Okay. The the can we talk the Maps for just a second? Sure. Nailed it. Oh yeah. Yeah. It is fantastic. I was walking around my apartment complex just watching the little blue dot, and it was it was just dead on. Wow, you really are a nerd, huh? Yeah, well, yeah, a little bit. Uh, no, it's it's exactly what it should be. Turn by turn directions are fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's it's you know, and and you know what people like I said, people complain about Google design and oh, Apple's design or whatever it is. These Google Ma- apps look much better than Apple apps to me. Uh, I think they turned around with the second iteration of of Google Plus. Yeah, the Google Plus stuff is really good. Those apps, but the 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 first iteration of Google Plus I thought was horrible. Yeah, uh, but the the when they redesigned Google Plus, I think that they kind of turned a corner in their UI department. Yeah, and it I don't definitely know looks kind of was... next generation. Mm-hmm. Uh, interesting. I, it's kind of interesting uh, that they're actually making even apple look kind of bad in the design department google man on 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 the on the upward trend yeah i'm all for it personally i like google yeah um all right so have you seen these kids who do this thing called skywalking they're they're crazy and need to be institutionalized you've seen this though yes the russian kids that are climbing everywhere yeah yeah, they it's, climb to like the top of towers on top of skyscrapers and they like with no harnesses or anything like that. Just yeah. or climb out on, on on giant cranes on bridges and stuff. I get queasy just looking at this. Yeah. No, I no, really no. do. Yeah. They, they, it, it, it makes my legs, yeah. you know, shake. Looking Honestly, at the they don't they don't look real. I didn't when I first saw the not this set, but I saw a previous set. I didn't think they were real. I thought they were green screened. Yeah. No, they're real. These people yeah. are that crazy. Nope. Now, as somebody who's terrified of heights, the idea that anyone would do this, uh, it just, it, it, it makes me crazy. Yeah. 
I mean, I, I, I remember seeing the, the, you know, the, the McNally shot where he's on top of the Empire State Building when they were changing the bulbs. Yes, yes. Yeah. Okay. And he's all harnessed in, yeah. right? So, yeah. so, you know, anything short of a 9.0 earthquake and he's, he's probably fine. Yeah. These kids are just free climbing these bridges and skyscrapers and towers. The one kid is up so high, he's got frost on his legs. Yeah. Right. It's crazy. That's not right. No. <laughs> no. Nobody needs to be doing this. Yeah. And even the shot that McNally took, even with the harnesses, I wouldn't, you couldn't pay me to go up there. Yeah. No. But I mean, the really dramatic footage. Uh, one of the kids had looked like a little GoPro mounted, you know, like on a, yeah. on a head strap type yep, thing. Yep. Um, crazy, man. But, you know, God love them. not me man no 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 it makes yeah it just it just i look at that stuff and it just makes me just oh i guess my thing the reason i bring it up is that the the lengths that these people go to to get a good picture is something okay but are they that's the other thing are they good pictures or i mean are 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 they just shocking pictures well they're not great pictures i think that they're just you know crazy pictures yeah it's it's nuts no, no, no. It's, uh, it's, yeah. Ooh. Uh, even, uh, LaFerre went up on the Empire State Building at one point and did that kind of stuff. I just, yeah. I, oh my God. I look at these pictures and it makes me nervous just even thinking it, it, about it. It really does affect you, doesn't it? Yeah. I, I, I have weird things about heights. I just, I huh. think about the falling. I, you know, you know I'm, what, here, you know what? Gravity is scary. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm much worse on, weirdly man-made things than I am on natural things. So if you're on the edge of the uh, Grand Canyon, that doesn't scare you or up on you're, you're more scared up on a building than you would be on Glacier Point. Yes, absolutely. Because you think that the building's going to fall out underneath you. Uh, look, th- th- you know, that building was built by the lowest bidder. Okay. Okay. So I don't, somebody cut corners somewhere <laughs> to yeah. make the budget, you know, okay. and it, and it, it, for, for whatever reason, it's, it's the, the piece of building that I happen to be standing on, <laughs> you know, okay. whereas, you know, if I'm on, you know, what, to your, to your point, you know, angel, what is it? Glacier point or, yeah. or, uh, angels flight in, or angels, not angels, landing. Flight, angels landing in Zion. Mm-hmm. You know, I climbed that and it was scary the climb was scary because there, there's not a lot to hold on to. There are little ledges and outcroppings and things like that. But once I got to the top, not so bad. Right. Uh, the getting to and from, that was a little dicey. But had that been like a man-made thing, I would have freaked out. Or bridges. I don't like bridges. Interesting. Yeah. I don't even like driving over bridges. Yeah. It used to be weird going to the top of the World Trade Center, if only because you were actually out on the roof and it was a flat roof. Yeah, nope. So you literally were standing on a quarter mile tall pile of steel. Nope. You know. Nope. Or that that glass uh there's a glass viewing platform on the Grand Canyon. Yep. Put, yep. put me on the rim of the canyon, I'm fine, but I I'm not going to step out on that thing. There's no a way. glass thing in the Sears Tower too or whatever the Sears Tower is now called in Chicago where you can like walk out on this little thing up at the top. They like basically removed a window and made a little platform so you go like walk oh, out. Oh, you know what? Feet. I Yeah. Um uh, there's a, 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 you know, Billy Connolly. Yes. He did a series where he goes from, from the beginning to end of route 66. And he stopped there and he stopped there and, and went up in the tower. Yeah. He does it on, on one of those trikes, those, uh, you know, like Harley Davidson. Yeah. Trike. yeah, yeah sure. Yeah. 
weird. Yeah. But yeah, freaky. But, but go check them out. Uh, totally. <laughs> um, so that is good. All right. So I guess we're going to go on to today's thing. Hey, uh, let's just stop for a second here. Sure. I, I was thinking that we should add an, a new sort of segment or a once a month kind of thing to the show. Okay. What do you got? Uh, I think we should do a Q&A show. Everyone's like a live Q and A show. Well, I guess we, uh, I guess we got to figure out a way to do it live. But I, I, where I was thinking about having people send us in either via email or Twitter topics or specific questions they'd like us to answer. I mean, we do this overall, just when things come up and people write us. But I think maybe if we do a single show where it's just sort of everything one Q&A? after the other. Yeah, we just okay. spend an hour, an hour and a half a Q and A show. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it could be fun. Do you want to do that this year? Do you want to start out 2013 with a Q&A show? What do you want maybe, to do? Maybe. Well, let's see if we can – let's see if we get enough questions. If everyone writes in in the next week, anything you want to know photography-related – I guess anything related, but, you know, photography and art and whatever. Hey, speaking of which, what what are we doing for next week? Are we – because next week's show falls on Christmas Day. Yeah, I was thinking about that. Maybe we'll do it the day after Christmas and maybe we can do the uh, – maybe we could do the Q&A show then. Will it be on sale? Because it's the day after Christmas. <laughs> That's, That's right. cute. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, write us in. Uh, it's podcast at ontakingpictures.com or at Bill Wadman on Twitter or at Jeffrey Sidoris, E-R-Y-D-D-1-R. Mm-hmm. Um, Send us in questions, and we'll, we'll get a little bank of them. Maybe in the next week or two, we'll do a show where we just do Q&A, and we'll do it sort of like, depending on how many we get, we do like rapid fire, you know? Yeah. It's no, like, that would uh, be great. Uh, you can also call. If you want to call and leave your question as a, as a voicemail, yep. that would be pretty cool. In fact, let's, let's see if some people will do that. Okay. Call us. 347-687-9411. 347-687-9411. You know, the other one last thing, just as a little bit of a plug, if you go to ontakingpictures.com slash podcast, uh, any, any of the, the stuff in the, uh, in the show notes down the bottom, we say related books on Amazon. If you click on any of these links, it takes you to Amazon. And if you buy the book, you know, we get a couple percent. But it is a week and a half before Christmas. If you're thinking of buying anything for anybody, if you click through that link and then go search for whatever you're going to search for uh, and buy it, you help support the show and it doesn't cost you anything. So if you're going and buying last minute gifts and things, you know, yeah. click through so that say, link. So you know, say you wanted to buy me a copy of Dan Winter's new book. Right. Y- you could do that. Wait, or are you if you wanted me to, that buy, I have to me a, buy you a copy no, of Dan Winter's it, it, new book? No, if, if, if you know, S- listeners all wanted to kind of get together and, and buy me a Fuji XE1, that'd be cool. Yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> well, you could do that just by buying Amazon stuff through that link. Uh, and uh, it'll, uh, you know, I'm going to put a big, a bigger sort of affiliate link on the page on the sidebar so people can get in there easily. Hey, who, who was it that sent us a million dollar bill towards our bid to uh, to buy the Google patents? That was actually uh, pretty genius. Uh, that would be Who was uh, that? That'd be Lee Love. Lee Love. Yeah. In Lee, fact, thanks for that. A uh, friend of the show, Gary Yost, also uh, said that he'd pitch in a million if we could if we could make it happen. If we can get the other what was it six billion? Yeah. <laughs> Gary Yost would pitch in a million. Yeah. If if, 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 yeah, if we got four hundred ninety nine million more, he'd consider investing. So. So let's that see if we can make awesome. that happen. We want yeah, to make Gary yeah. happy. 
Yeah, um, so we've got a we've got a, a genuine bid for a million, and we've yeah. got Lee Love's million dollar bill. So we're we're getting closer. Speaking of which, Gary Yost man is doing some fantastic motion work. You know the the stop motion stuff that he does with the yeah. weather and stuff up on Mount Tam. Mm-hmm. Man, he's got some stuff coming up that's amazing. New whole we, new project. Okay, Could, would he uh, would he let us you know link to it or show it or? Well, when it's done, yeah. Yeah, I, I haven't been privy to the private stuff, but uh, See, I just fancy. Oh, well, you know, <laughs> somebody's got to do it. Um, so who's our photographer of the week? Man Ray. Oh, Man Ray. Man Ray. You like Photog- Man Ray? Week. Uh, I, you know what? Man Ray is like, is like the photographic equivalent of Dolly. So yes, I, I, I just like how out there his stuff is. Yeah. You know, you know what uh, I kind of like is the fact that he dis- his real name uh, Emmanuel Rednicki, uh, Red Red Rednitsky. It's hard to say. Emmanuel okay. Red Rednitsky. I love the fact that he's just like, hey, I'm this American-born Jewish guy in France. I'm going to change my name to Man Ray. Yeah, that's so badass. Yeah. I'm going to change my name to what? Uh, Will Wad. Because <laughs> that's, that's essentially choice. what he did. That's a good choice, Will Wad. Yeah. Uh, mine doesn't sound really nearly as cool as Man Ray. No. A little bit different. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you, you've probably uh, you've probably seen Man Ray's work and you don't even know it. Yeah, uh, true. You've probably seen uh, the the woman with the naked back and the little cello. What do you call those things? You're a musician. What are those little what, insects? Those are the sound holes, I think. Is that the technical term for it? I think so. Sound holes. Uh, anyway, so her back is sort of like a cello. She's got a little little headdress on. Yeah, uh, that's that's probably. Would you say that's his most famous? That and the tears. Probably yeah, the tears his most ones shots. are kind of weird, but they're not real tears, right? They're like little glass balls or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also is kind of famous because he does all that sort of solarization kind of thing, right? Where he you know overexposes so much that it inverts back again, and does all kinds of weird stuff. Um, but remember, he was doing all this stuff back in the day, you know. Uh, back in the day when when this stuff was harder to do because it's all optical, he also did like a lot a lot of photograms where he was working straight onto photo paper, so just setting items onto paper and yeah, exposing he, them. He did that kind of stuff. That uh, was my very first foray into photography. Really? Yep. That was our our high school photo class. Uh, really, actually, looking back on it, fantastic because we started with photograms. Yep. Then we did the the oatmeal box pinhole cameras. Yep. And then went to the Pentax K one thousands. But we spent right. weeks on just photograms and pinhole cameras before we even got to shoot with an actual camera. It's smart. Yeah. Uh, he also did all kinds of crazy, you know, artsy multiple exposure stuff, and usually beautiful women and. Uh, and again, uh, we didn't even mention though that this this was all happening like in the 1920s, right? This guy was was big in that whole the whole uh, the whole Paris scene in the 1920s, right? Uh, so he was friends with Salvador Dali and and all those kinds of guys. He was he was a, a big deal. Uh, what, what was his model? Uh, what, what was her name? Uh, uh, oh, are you talking uh, about the video one? Yeah, yeah. I'm blanking. What was her Kiki? Kiki of Montparnasse, <laughs> who was a prostitute. Is that true? Sure. Let's go with that. Okay. She was a prostitute. She's dead. She's not going to be able to say, speak up for herself. <laughs> you calling me a whore? Yes, I am. Um, <laughs> uh, As a matter of fact. Yeah. Yeah. What, what are you going to do about it? Worm food. Um, 
One of the things that I really liked, uh, my favorite photograph of his is actually that dust breeding picture. Yeah, I'd never seen that until today when you showed it to me. That That is a fantastic shot. Yeah, so apparently he was at, whose studio was like he at? Duchamp, wasn't okay. it? Okay, so he's, he's at the studio. He sees this sort of... Um, I think it was sort of a uh, like a, a plate glass window or, or a stained glass window, you know, with like the with the little uh, the sort of lead uh, piping right. on it. Mm-hmm. And the whole thing had gotten so dusty over the course of a year because it hadn't been moved that that Man Ray apparently was fascinated with it. And so they set up this big camera, really deep depth of field, and took this exposure that was how many? Two hours, like a two-hour exposure. Yeah. Basically, I think he just exp- he just opened up the lens. They went out to lunch from the story, and came back and closed the lens, and the the exposure was perfect. Now, people say that's insane. Well, you know what? Here's the thing you got to remember is that you know exposures are uh, are logarithmic, right? So, or exponential rather. So. You know, a two-hour exposure is only one stop more light than a one-hour exposure, which is only one stop more light than a uh, half-hour exposure. So from a half-hour to two hours is only like two stops more light. It's not like it's going to just blow out, right? So if you knew the thing was going to take a long exposure, if you're off for a minute or two when you're talking about a 30-minute, 40-minute, two-hour exposure – Minutes don't really matter. That's, you know, nothing compared to that. So if he knew well, and, he, and, he stopped down the lens enough so that he knew it was going to be an hour-long exposure, eh, so he goes two hours. It's a little overexposed or whatever. Weren't these lenses back in the day, too, that you could stop them down to, like, F64? Yeah, I mean, you can do that with all these big lenses now. Yeah, so he stopped down to F64. It's not that bright in the room. You know, the the the, the film is really slow back in the day. You know, it took, it took, a, lot of st- it took a lot of light. So, yeah, it takes a long time. Um, and they, a lot of those lenses too, were just, you know, you open them up, mm-hmm. you, know, you, you, un, you uncover the lens and then you cover it back up when you get home or, you know, when you're done, it's not that there's an actual shutter. It's just sort of exposing the lens to the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, amazing pretty, shot though. It is a cool shot. It kind of looks like an aerial photography thing. To yeah. Me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Dust breeding. We'll, we'll put a, I put a link in the show notes to that and we put a link to some of the crazy, uh, What's it called? He makes too. He made all these crazy movies, too. Yes, including little one, fine art like art pieces. Yeah, including one of Kiki of Montparnasse. Kiki of Montparnasse. But she's not a prostitute, Jeffrey. I don't know why you keep saying that. <laughs> why I keep saying um, that? He lived a long time though. Man Ray. Yeah, he lived until uh, 1976. So the dude was 86 years old when he died. Um, he had, a lot of changes. He had some good quotes here. He said. Um, uh, he said, uh, I do not photograph nature. I photograph my visions. Okay. There's no progress in art any more than there's progress in making love. There are simply different ways of doing it. <laughs> nice. Right. To create <laughs> is divine to reproduce is human. Not bad. Not bad. Okay. Yeah. yeah not bad. Um, and, uh, let's see where was, there's one more that I really liked. I just like the idea that he, of course, there will always be those who look at my, only at my technique who ask how, while others of a more curious nature will ask why. Personally, I have always preferred inspiration to information. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, interesting. He's uh, he's uh, he's an interesting guy. So go look up Man Ray. He was doing stuff that was kind of crazy and uh, might make you want to do something crazy too. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, look, it's it's at some point, and you're you're kind of exemplifying this this month. Is it's all about experimenting. It's all about trying something new and shifting your focus and seeing what sticks. Yep. Right. Sure. Whether you can you can uh, utilize that somehow. Um, you know, is oh, wow. Wait a minute. What? Hold on. Squirrel. Uh, Man Ray did that crazy shot of Dolly and the cats. Uh, Man Ray. Is that right? Okay. Uh, this is. If, I know if the this, picture you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, not a composite. Uh, I do not think that that's true. No, that that was Halsman. Is that not? This, okay. That was uh, Philip Halsman. Okay. Uh, crazy shot, though. Yes. Very crazy shot. In fact, I should try more stuff like that. <laughs> Throwing cats in the air. <laughs> well, just overall sort of uh, trying to get one exact moment. Um, uh, yeah, you know what? Why don't maybe, – maybe the finale for this project, you could try to create an in-camera composite. One, one big picture in one shot. Yeah. I only have one exposure to do it. Yeah. All right. Maybe on the 31st I'll try something. I do like my control, Jeffrey. I know, I know. Um, but yeah, we could try something like that. Uh, anything else before we wrap this thing up? Uh, where do people find us? On takingpictures.com slash podcast can get you to all the show notes. Uh, if you want to send us an email, podcast at ontakingpictures.com. Twitter is at Bill Wadman, at Jeffrey Sidoris, E-R-Y-D-E-1-R. Uh, your- hey, what about iTunes? Uh, the, the link to our iTunes page is on, uh, the, uh, on taking pictures.com and, uh, over on the right. And you can always go there and leave a review of us, which would be very nice. Of uh, course, you know what? I, th- I think we've got a new review. Well, don't forget to also go and, uh, look at, uh, faded and blurred.com every day. Cause Jeffrey and Nikki put up amazing content every week, uh, all the time, constantly. Um, which is, you know, the only reason I'm friends with them. <laughs> is that not true what, did I say something wrong <laughs> oh, dick. Uh, but yeah go leave us a review on iTunes uh, uh, which you can find over there uh, and uh, I think that's it hey shameless plug uh, yeah. don't you have a, a, a part of a book coming out aren't you going to be in a book soon uh, yeah. You want to talk about that at all? Yeah. I, I, let's see. Amazon.com. I'll find the, exact. is it available for pre-order? I think it uh, is uh, f- friend of the show. Ibarri and X Perello, uh, who you may know from the candid frame, which is a, a really fantastic interview based podcast. Um, he's talked to everybody, yep. including fancy pants there. Yeah. Uh, it's called Adobe masterclass Photoshop inspiring work artwork and tutorials by established and emerging artists. And, uh, it's coming out on January 6th. I will put a link in the show notes. Um, but supposedly I am one of the people they're, 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 uh, they're doing they're, uh, interviewing. I, I interviewed and did a little tutorial, uh, and, uh, it'll be in there. So very exciting. Yeah. So yeah. Cor- see Jeffrey, according to Adobe, uh, I, I am, I am, a, I am a Photoshop master. You see? Oh Jesus. Hey, Adobe. Thanks. <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> like we don't need any more ammo for you. <laughs> Christ. Uh, seriously though. Uh, uh, fancy uh, photographer and Adobe master. Yeah. Bill Wadman. Adobe Photoshop master. Um, yeah. 
<laughs> it's funny. I have no education in Photoshop, though. That's what cracks me up. But what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Um, yeah, anyway, go pick up that book. It should be pretty cool. It's only, yeah. it's only $23. Uh, and and uh, hey, if, if, uh, if you're one of those that, that celebrate, have a Merry Christmas. Yep. And uh, we will see you probably the day after. Yep. Have a good one.